And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 294 of Radio Free Asgard. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin, and we're a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, because this episode is scheduled to air on Thanksgiving Day. And as you listen to this, uh, Pete and I will probably be at the movies watching Justice League. Yes, that's our plan. We're going to go watch Justice League on Thanksgiving. And I'm not sure what that means about us, but <laughs> that's what we're going to do. So, um, yeah. So, uh, just a reminder, those of you who have seen Thor Ragnarok, we're going to be talking about that in about three or four weeks. Uh, if you want to uh, contribute to our conversation, tell us what you liked about the movie, tell us what you didn't like about the movie, compare it to Justice League maybe even, you can email us and you can also send your emails to us at radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. I would encourage you not to post them on the Facebook group because spoilers, but um, if you want to email them to me privately on Facebook, that's fine too. But uh, you know, the, the, the Gmail account is actually kind of our preferred uh, email spot. All right, so we do have an issue of Thor to cover, so let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard Indeed, and this week we are looking at the Mighty Thor number 199. Cover date is May of 1972. Cover price is 20 cents. Cover art is by John Buscema and Frank Giacoya. Shows Thor fighting against some uh, pointy-eared dudes in purple and blue and green armor. And there's some Viking-style sailing ships sailing down a fjord. And there's some dude with an axe standing behind Thor fighting Hela with an uh, the dude has an axe and Hela has a sword, uh, so something's going on. And we have the cover blurb: "Death to the Legions of Pluto." And we open up to the splash page where we have the credits. Stan Lee was the editor, Jerry Conway was the writer, John Buscema was the artist, Vinnie Coletta was the inker, and Sam Rosen was the letterer. The Mighty Thor in "If This Be Death." And we open up the issue with uh, the great giant uh, Kartag, who uh, kind of befriended Thor and company a couple of issues ago, helped fight against the Mangog in the last couple of issues, and now he is taking his leave. Thunder God, in truth my heart goes out to thee, and yet I dare not deny my destiny. Ooh, that's a rhyme. He's a rapper. Though Kartag's hand was offered thee for battle, now must I part with thee and turn mine eyes homeward once more. My lord, I prithee, may I have thy permission? Yea, friend, hide thee back to world's end, keeper, and know thee, the good will of Thor doth travel with thee. Deepest thanks, my lord. And he goes off in a uh, 
puff of purple smoke, and there's comes some sort of fire coming out of his axe. And with thy leave, I be gone. And he's off in his uh, pink swaddling of smoke. And <laughs> Thor says, his headsman's axe hath more power than first meets the eye. Perhaps I would have withheld my word. Methinks we'll need every loyal hand in the painful hours ahead. Nay, I speak too late, but just as well, I suppose. His place is with the lady Satrina. She needs his love, and thou shalt have it too, I think. And Thor's interrupted by the, uh, the vizier, says, Lord, thou dost speak wisely. We shall need all thy wisdom if Asgard's to survive. Thy words are filled with gloom, vizier. Be this the gift of age? Not the gift of age, Thor, but the gift of sight. Even now our land returns to its natural dimension on the course given it by Odin, his last such act ere he fell. Think thee I be blind, old one, and when we reach that natural time and space, will not Odin truly die? I know not thy meaning, Thunder God. Odin be dead, and his body now entombed. Was not Mangog's final blow the fatal one? Was not thy father too weakened by his mighty spell, too drained to withstand that treacherous attack? And we see them uh, looking at uh, Odin's body laying in the... Uh, uh, it's, a, it's like a, a racing car bed, uh, but it's a Viking ship and it's got like sled runners on it. So kind of a weird thing to be laying in when you're dead, but anyway. So doth it seem, faithful friend. My father did fall, tis true. Yet he fell not in the real world, in the world of death and endurance. No true time hath passed since that tragic moment, for we travel between the layers of time. And for this reason, I think Odin may yet be saved. For I ask the old one, where be grim Hela? But seek me, Thor, and thou shalt find me. And there she is. Accept it, fair one. The long fight be over. Nay. Not till the final breath be drawn, and drawn by the final man. Brave words, thunder god, says Hela, and she's kind of uh, appearing in a cloud of, of green smoke uh, to, to uh, offset the pink smoke we had just a little bit earlier. Sentiments fair for the living to hold, yet most unsuitable for ones as doomed as thee. And there are a couple of guards up on, up on a little bit of a rock next to where uh, the vizier and Thor are standing. And they say, "'Tis she, tis Hela, goddess of death. In truth, our moments are numbered." "'I say thee nay,' says Thor. "'We've still our courage and our daring.' "'What good daring, Thor,' says the vizier. "'With Odin dead, there be naught between us and oblivion. My lord, we are undone.' "'Not just yet, old one,' says Thor." Hela first must claim my father's sacred body, and that she will never do. Ah, thou art a brash one, Thor. Thou speakest as thy father did in his youth. The world was young then, a thunder god. Odin did protest the need for death, but learned thou cannot protest that which only is. Yet the time for talk be past. Now Odin must come. To Valhalla. Now, this is interesting because Hela doesn't uh, control Valhalla. So, that's, it's either a mistake or it's a mistake. And there's a, a sudden glow uh, coming out from Odin's little racing car bed here. And that, that it means that Hela can't reach Odin. And she's like, what madness? Some form of cosmic barrier structured so even my powers cannot pierce it. Thor... 
Be this thy doing, impudent godling? Art thou mad? If this be insanity, Hella, then yea, for Thor be most insane. So, I see I have misjudged thee, Thunder God. In this transient land thy power be most worthy. Yet thou must give him to me, Thor. You must. Why, woman? What? Hast thou not guessed? I be here to save noble Odin, Thunder God, from his foul touch. Look thee, godling, look. By Odin's sacred sword, I swear I did not know. This be the stuff of nightmare. And Hela is um, pointing beyond where Thor is standing, and we see a boat, and it looks suspiciously like a Viking ship, but instead of a dragon sort of thing on the front, it has this bat head thing on the front. Um, so it's like a very stylized bat with a stretchy body. And there are troll-looking people who are in the boat. doesn't look like anyone's rowing it. <laughs> but uh, uh, there's a guy standing there, and he's bald guy with pointy ears. And uh, we'll find out who does in a second. And the caption says, As all Asgardian eyes swing southward, but our eyes turn also to peer against the churning twilight sky, now lit with sudden lightning, where grim black silhouettes bob on a raging sea, ebon sails unfurled in the brisk evening wind. Let us look closer past the rising sea spray, past the swirling mist, but a stare at the cold, fierce features of the god forever known as Pluto, Lord of the Netherworld. And yes, it indeed is Pluto. It is not Pluto as we've seen him before, though, and maybe we'll talk about that at the end of the uh, episode. Keels grinding sand, the gray ships strike shore, and one among their crew stands tall, stands strong. So, Thor, we meet again. This time the circumstances appear more pleasant. I've come for your father, Thunder God, and lest your strength has increased a thousandfold, I suggest you step aside. I give my warning but one, Godling. After that, Pluto attacks. But come, there's no need for battle. Tis a simple thing, I ask. Your father's life or your own? Methinks thou would take both, Olympian. In any case, thou wilt have neither. Thor has uh, his Asgardian troops on one side, and Pluto has his, uh, I, they're not really Olympian, I don't know what they are, but the, his monster orc army on his side. And uh, Pluto, like I said, he looks different than what we've uh, seen before, and uh, he's kind of got pointy ears, and he's got vampire teeth, and uh, when Pluto became a vampire, I don't know, but anyway. And uh, Hela interrupts here. Now dost thou see why thy father must accompany me, Thor? My domain be nothing like Pluto's Hades, a land where all be misery, agony unbelieved by any hope, and knowledge of self-worth. For in Hades but one mind rules, the mind of a god gone mad. And we get some scenes of Hades here, of uh, sort of hairy creatures lurking around, and half-snake women, and this kind of bat-winged people, and... Well, fires everywhere. Uh, Hades is sitting on the sort of stone throne wearing an ugly, ugly purple and red outfit. In Hades, all men become monsters, all women demons. 
Only one spirit lives, only one will controls. In Hades all do homage to Pluto, the most dreaded god of all. Thou must let me take thy father, Thor, that, or let Hela fight by thy side. The first I can never allow, Night Queen. As for the second, so be it. So, says Pluto, I came to you in honor, Thunder God, with a request any would deem fair. "'Tis my due to gain Odin's almighty soul by word or by deed. "'It appears we be allies, goddess, for the moment at least. "'Then let my hand be filled. "'Hela needs a weapon in this her most crucial battle, "'a battle for a god. "'And here's a big black sword appears in Hela's hand, "'and we shift scenes.' Now we are back on the Black World where Sif and Hildegard and Ten and Isle are running around in terror of him. Uh, it's not him. Uh, it's somebody else who is a different him. Anyway, um, so uh, we have them and they're, uh, they're standing around in the street because that's what you do. And Ten and Isle is still shooting this ray gun, which is completely useless and they've even said so. Captain Birdseye is there with them as well. And it, uh, Tana is saying, Stay behind the force field as guardian. Only thus will you be protected from his world-changing radiation. Rejellian, we understand not, says Hildegard. This monster thou dost battle, thou hints that it be thine own creation. Hildegard, I have no time for questions. Be silent or leave. The choice is yours. He comes closer, ever closer. He is here. And she's trying to shoot the ray gun at him, but uh, it does not affect him. Now, what him is, is a big crystal creature. It's like a kind of a you know, 10 foot, 12 foot tall person or monster made out of crystal. And the ray is hitting him, but it's not doing him any good. The ray is useless. Even as we speak, its power pack grows low. Old man, you who call yourself Silas Grant, lead us away from here before he finds us and destroys us. Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess <laughs> they're going to run away. So Silas Grant is like, Aye, I'll lead you, lass. Though I have no understanding of what's been happening to me world, things changing like tomorrow was a crowd in yesterday. He doth speak true, Tananile. Yea, but an hour ago Hildegard and I did battle knights, and poor Silas piloted a primitive steamboat. What means all this, colonizer? says Sif. It means I fail, Lady Sif. Look around you. When you arrived in this city, the world seemed primitive, did it not? As though in the Earth Depression days, and now the date appears to be 1940. Yet even as we watch, the world is changed by that creature's touch, changed as it has been a thousand times before, from the old to the new, from the primitive to the modern. In short, Ego Prime is causing manic evolution to wash over this backwater world. So this uh, crystal creature is Ego Prime, is what she's calling it. An evolution I can no longer control. The rate of change grows faster with each passing instant. Rapid change, hopelessly out of hand. My plans have crumbled totally, my friends. Didst thou say ego? says Sif. 
Yes, Lady Sif, Ego, not the famed living planet itself, but a minute section of its biogeological surface, a mobile element of the greater whole which I have named Ego Prime. We've no time for thy memories, girl. The creature sees us. Set your sword aside, Hildegard. Don't you see how impossible resistance is? Impossible, perhaps, says Sif, but never unthinkable. First we must escape, and once we're free we'll fight. But hurry, he moves closer, closer. And it, it's impossible that this monster did not see them, because he's like ten feet away from them and uh, coming after them. So uh, the four of them, they run away, and they start running down into a subway entrance. Sif is thinking to herself, Odin sent his hens to protect us from some dread threat, and now it seems the danger be even greater here. Perhaps there's a plan in it all. But I cannot help but think one must find cosmic purpose in every twist of fate, a meaning to each catastrophe. No! That poster! Black World moves nearer to Earth's present. Uh, and it's a poster that says, Go Ford for 64. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so everything uh, this Ego Prime thing touches uh, moves forward in the future, becomes more futuristic. So that's kind of an interesting power. And uh, it looks like Ego Prime is following them down into the uh, subway. And he's looking less crystalline uh, as he goes underground. But I, I don't know what that means. But anyway. What matters that, Moedi? Ego comes. He comes, says Hildegard. And Sif says, Hildegard, thou dost not see? When Black World evolves to Earth's present timeline, what of Earth? What of Earth? Um... Yeah, what of Earth? Well, I'll talk about that at the end, too. Better to ask, what of us, milady? Pray, Odin, what of us? And we shift scenes back to uh, Asgard, where Hela is fighting against Pluto. So she has confronted him. He's got his axe in his hands. Uh, she has her big black sword in, uh, in her hand. Pluto is saying, Never have I felt the need to fight a woman, dark Hela. Yet I'll not shirk that need, or your besorcelled night sword, if doing so shall bring the end I crave. Methinks thou dost speak too soon, my lord, says Hela. Surely thou dost forget where thou art lord, I be lady. And perhaps our powers are too evenly matched. <laughs> I think not, girl, as all the world will soon discover. And they clash, and there's like, like lots of purple rock flying around, and uh, the two of them are fighting. We see Thor and Balder, and they're kind of dodging the flying rubble so it's going all around. And Balder says, Lord Thor, thou must prepare thy legions. Even as we watch the night gods war, Black Pluto's trolls attack. And they uh, are attacking, like he said, and they are looking very Kirby-like here. <laughs> and they're going, Stealth comes too late, brothers. The one called Balder has a spider movement. We have no choice. Forward. And they're, they're going forward, fighting the Asgardians. Yea, forward all, says Thor. Though our hands be useless against Grim Pluto's axe, his men are prey most fair. And Thor wades into this big crowd of troll things, and he is throwing them around and whacking them with his hammer, and yeah, big battle going on, and Baldur's fighting them with his sword, and the uh, trolls are going, aye, he fights like a madman, arg. 
The thunder god seems everywhere. His arm like lightning alive. Everywhere? Nay, thou hast yet to feel Thor's full anger. And the other like, his hammer, it bursts the fire. Pluto, we are Hast yet to see the truest living thunder. And Baldur saying, In truth, my sword be given in pledge to Carnilla. But what matters the soul of one poor soldier when all Asgard in the balance hangs? You question the meaning, bold one? No, then, there is no meaning to battle. It's only its outcome is poignant. In your case, godling, the outcome is death. And uh, one of the trolls hits uh, Baldur in the back of the head, knocks him down, and just leaves him laying there. It doesn't kill him or anything. It just leaves him lying there injured. And the uh, trolls go away. And one of the other trolls is like, Enough of this, guy gather. The war goes on. Come. And Baldur's laying there, and a, a female hand comes and touches his face. And we know who this is. This is Carnilla. And uh, she caresses his brow. And she's kind of holding his head in, in her hands and is crying. Oh, brave Baldur, thou art so foolish. My hand comes not a moment premature, as only the Norn Queen's spell can save thee now. And she does some kind of a, a prayer, incantation, or spell, or something. And Baldur wakes up, and she's like, Baldur, art alive? Yea, my lady, but barely, methinks. But by thy leave I must part with thee. To return to battle? Nay, a thousand nays. Have I saved thee to watch thee die? I hold thee to thy pledge, Asgardian. A pledge I cannot keep, my lady. Thou wouldst break thy vow, one I made thee take to save thee from death. Tis death, my lady, or dishonor. Then go, fool, get thee from my sight and attend to me, knave. Ne'er return. Balder goes storming off, and he says, I do what I must, Carnilla. A man can do no less. She's crying here, and she's thinking to herself, And for this must I love thee. Woman, thou art the one gone mad. And we should have seen slightly to where uh, the Warriors Three are fighting this troll army, and the trolls have guns, apparently. Uh, some of them are shooting like ray guns. And uh, Fandral is there with his sword, and Hogan is there with his mace, looking not like poop, like it did a couple issues ago. And Fandral's like, Ho, friends, at last the battle doth come to us. For a time I feared we be but spectators. It seems I feared in vain. Must thou always talk, Fandral? Words do pain mine ears. Ah, Hogan, what else would? Stars! And uh, the reason he says that is because Volstagg has leapt forward. He's just leapt down the stairs uh, towards these guys and is just barreling them all over with, with his girth. Vandral says, Vast Volstagg hath gone berserk. Not berserk, friends. In seeking the rear, tis apparent I've lost my way. Look thee up, trolls. Thy fate descends upon thee. And, yeah, they, they're getting all smashed by Volstagg. And um, Hogan's like, Fandral, mine eyes did deceive me. Nay, Hogan, the fat one did indeed leap to the fray. Odin knows why. Though voluminous Volstagg has been acting strangely since delivering the waters of the twilight well to our wise vizier, mayhap he has found himself, Hogan. And at that unlikely case, he shall need our help, all of it. 
And we cut back to Thor, where he's uh, destroying the floor from the looks of it. He's whacking the floor with his hammer, and uh, all the uh, the trolls are going flying, but that doesn't leave them anything to stand on. Anyway, uh, so he is smashing things up with a choom and a crack, and uh, the caption says, For Thor, the battle seems endless. Tis but a continuance of his war with Mangog, but another skirmish in the nightmare Asgard's world seems to have become. And as he turns to view Hela's own dark struggle, his thoughts are countless dreams away. And we go back to Hela, where she is fighting one-on-one against Pluto. Tis maddening true. For every blow I strike, you strike in turn. Doth it change thy mind, Pluto? Hast thou not seen thy fight be futile? Not so, witch, says Pluto, where Pluto alone proves too balanced a foe. Perhaps Pluto with aid can yet tip the scales. And... Pluto uh, shoots a fire beam out of his axe onto the ground. We get a very large cloud of magenta smoke, and these big red hands come up out of the ground. And uh, because Asgardians love to speak the obvious, Hela says, Thine axe, power arcs from its silvered blade. Nay, not even thou wouldst dare dare. Craven knave, what worth thy hopes for glory? when by thy action thou dost soil thy name. And such action, to call up these, the demon hounds of Hades. Um, they don't look like hounds. They look like big red arms with clawed hands. So anyway, uh, these red arms are kind of coming up out of the ground and Hela is calling hounds. And they are just big red arms. They are not hounds. But anyway, grab onto Hela. They're ripping her cape and pulling her back. And uh, she says, the hands aren't everywhere. They rend, they tear, and no recourse have I save to hopelessly smite the earth itself. Pluto, thou art truly the foulest god of all. And why, dear lady, says Pluto, because I seek to serve myself. You of all should know the lord of death bends knee to no liege. Tis why I crave Odin's sacred soul, and why I'll steal yours as well. And no... And he says, no, because Hela has vanished. Uh, so she has run away, teleported, or whatever. And uh, Pluto says, the witch escapes, for now she cheats me of that treasure at least, but only that prize. Odin shall still be mine. Forward, you trembling trolls, now naught can hold against us. There stands not a god alive who dares deny Pluto his burning will. And they uh, go rushing forward. Uh, Thor is standing there in the way, and he says, Not true, Death God. The God of Thunder dares. You, says Pluto. Battle has strained your mind, godling. If the goddess of death herself was unable to defeat me, what feeble hope have you? I have my hammer, and more I have honor, and both do say, Thou shalt not win. And Thor goes leaping forward, shouting, For Odin! For Asgard! And he slams his hammer on the ground. He knocks over the entire troll army and Pluto. And uh, Pluto's laying there on the ground. And he says, um, With one blow you have decimated my troops. Aye, you are stronger than you first appear, blonde hair. And that mystic hammer of yours, it does have its more worthy properties, I see. But it all means nothing. 
Nothing against Pluto. Get thee up, braggart, says Thor. Let us test the metal of thy words. Not my words, Thor, my actions. There are powers in this armored form of which you cannot dream. I want your father, Thunder God, and I mean to take him by any means. And uh, Pluto catches himself on fire, looking very much like the human torch here. So, instead of honest battle, thou dost turn to trickery, says Thor. Indeed, thou art a most cautious foe, wary as the slinking worm. Think thee I fear thy fiery form? Nay, tis nothing. With but the turn of my mystic mallet, I create a mighty suction, and the fire falters, and in a moment is done. And um, so uh, Thor whips his hammer around, tries to put out the fire, but it was all a ruse to get Thor to move closer. So um, the flaming god knocks Thor's hammer away with his axe, and he says, "'Tis done. The flame was but a gambit, thunder god, to draw you near me, so I might pull your teeth and prepare you for death. And he's uh, trying to hit Thor with his axe, but Thor is dodging it. And he says, uh, Thor says, Art thou so naive concerning the gods thou fight? Not in our weapons does our given power lie, but in our every fighting breath. And only when those end will our glory pass away. And uh, Thor knocks uh, Pluto off his feet. Pluto's axe gets dropped. And the two of them are struggling hand to hand. And uh, Pluto is uh, kind of grabs at Thor's head. And we have a, a panel here that looks like Thor's head is being caught on fire. But uh, he's, I think it's just heating up Thor's helmet or something. I'm not sure. But the Thor, Thor's face looks, uh, yeah, <laughs> he doesn't look too happy here. Once more a misconception is made, says Pluto. An error I fear, but not on my part. No, the error is yours. You dare think I'd be such a maddened fool. All was well-wrought strategy, Thunder God. First to disarm you, then to bring you closer. And now, to drain you of your strength, of your ever-lauded glory. And... And uh, he uh, just kind of embraced Thor, and we see the sort of lightning crackle. It's not really Kirby crackle, but sort of lightning f shooting off in every direction. And we see Thor just lying there on the ground. He's uh, it's like unconscious or dead or something. And Pluto uh, gets up, and he gets his axe, and he says, At last it is over. The sun lies as still as his father, and so it should be. With both as my slaves, my power will be trebled, and no longer will Pluto be the foulest of the gods. No, on this day, Pluto is lord over all. And we get a full page of Pluto, and he's standing above Thor with his axe raised back like he's going to chop Thor's head off. And there's a yellow and orange Kirby crack all kind of in the background. And some of his uh, troll soldiers are here, and they're uh, like yelling, or they've, they've all got their mouths open like they're yelling. Next issue now comes the Nightmare, and that is the Mighty Thor number 199. And we will be discussing that issue right after this message. Uh -huh. 
Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, in which four guys talk about romance comics and about romances in comics with Siskoid. We're all uh, French Canadians here. Marty! In horror comics, there's often like this little, you know, <laughs> romance tinge, I guess. Okay. Bass! <laughs> we oh, just yeah. turned on him! <laughs> and yours truly, Fern. I'm very aroused. Featuring the overproduced wonder that is Romance Comics Theater every episode. Dan, I knew it couldn't last from the first day you eyeballed me when I reported to work. It wouldn't matter if I washed in laundry soap and came to work in a burlap sack. I'd turn you on. And you have the same effect on me. I... I do? The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, available on iTunes. We've had a comic book romance. And we're back and we have the return of... Pluto. So what do we think about the return of Pluto? Now, it's been a while since he's appeared in a Thor comic. I believe it was way back around issue number 130, so like 70 issues ago. That's, yeah. Uh, It's been a long time since Pluto's been in the book. And the first thing I noticed about Pluto is that his appearance is completely different. I know I mentioned that already. But instead of this sort of bald guy with a droopy mustache and sort of weird hair... um, We've now got this bald guy with pointy ears, vampire teeth, like he's a vampire, and uh, and a big old axe. I mean, it's an entirely different portrayal than we've seen of Pluto in the past. So I don't really know what's changed there. Maybe they just didn't remember how he'd been portrayed before. Maybe there was a portrayal in some other comic in the interim, which uh, made a change. I don't know. But anyway, uh, Pluto looking very different here. Um, and more threatening, too, and I guess, I guess that, that's a good thing. Uh, I believe in the original, when he's trying to pose as a businessman on Earth, and that really wouldn't work for the skies of Pluto. Um, interesting that he manages to defeat Hela. I mean, Hela is considered kind of the be-all, end-all, evil, uh, you know, death goddess, um, and yet she seems to be fairly easily dispatched by Pluto, who doesn't seem nearly as as capable as Hela does. Um, and how did how did Pluto get to this other dimension? I mean I mean they're not quite in Asgard yet. I mean maybe maybe they kind of materialize in Asgard's place during the story. But they're not actually in this uh, in you know their their regular area yet. They're still kind of in the in between area. So how does Pluto get there? I don't know. It's it's not explained. And that's one of the weaknesses of the story. The story itself is kind of by the numbers. It is not uh, a fantastic story. It's not particularly creative. It is something we've seen before. It's not the worst story we've seen, of course. And, and you know, there, there's been lots of, of uh, stories that have been worse than this. But it's not a stellar story. Again, it's kind of typical early 70s Marvel. Artwork, once again, is really sketchy. Uh, again, I have to, to reiterate, Coletta is not the inker for Busema. It just doesn't work that well. We get a lot of, uh, like we have in the last few issues, just panels with no background, just solid color. Uh, we do have some interesting stuff going on here. The uh, sudden bravery of Volstog, as it were. Uh, I don't know if they're trying to lead anywhere with that uh, little subplot or not. Um, 
I, I don't recall if that goes anywhere, but I guess we'll find out eventually. The uh, Hounds of Hell thing is just too funny. The, the, the Hounds of Hell look a lot like big arms. And the, okay, I mean, hounds don't have arms. And yeah, that's basically all these things are. It's just red arms coming up out of the ground and grabbing Hella. Apparently they were pretty strong too because Hella felt that she needed to disappear. Uh, having Hella as the person in charge of Alhalla, that is new, and it's not canon. Um, I think even in the comics that that didn't stick. Valhalla, uh, of course, is Odin's Hall. That is where the uh, the noble dead uh, will feast for all eternity and fight and and you know go to war and and die and and wake up the next day and do it all over again. It has nothing to do with hell, so it, it's kind of its own thing. Um, interesting that uh, Hela has, has apparently tried to claim that. Interesting uh, Kirby homage here on page 17. Uh, it, it's a, a shot of Thor standing atop a hilltop. Uh, he's got this hammer in both hands. His cape is flowing behind him. I believe I've seen this shot before in a Kirby comic. Um, it is very dramatic, and it's no less dramatic here, but very poorly inked. Uh, the uh, the inking makes it look like a child's drawing, and, and that's just not you know what John B. Summer drew there. There's some signs here that the issue was rushed, but I I kind of blame the inking in this case. We actually have a lot of shortcutting going on here on the inking, uh, particularly with the differences of color in Thor's costume. As you know, his costume is sort of this bluish and blackish color. But we have some some scenes here where the the costume looks like it's just this uh, bright blue, like like Superman blue, and Thor's outfit is supposed to be darker than that. It's not supposed to be that bright blue. This panel on page twenty of of Thor uh, looking looking aghast with <laughs> like Pluto's burning his hair off with his hand is just. It's, it's too good. I might have to post that on the uh, Facebook page. It, it's really uh, a crazy panel. So I, I want somebody to explain to me where the trolls came from in Pluto's army. Uh, and the reason I say that is because trolls are kind of a Scandinavian thing. I mean, you might find in Celtic mythology some of the you know, something like a troll. But where in Greek mythology are these things? Are there trolls in Greek mythology? I don't think there are. This is something that's, uh, you know, this may come up in other issues, but did the trolls come from Asgard? I mean, you know, that's possible. I mean, the trolls from Asgard, you know, supporting Pluto as an army, maybe. I, could, I guess I could kind of see that. They don't look Asgardian, though. They, they, they look like some kind of weird space aliens. I mean, maybe they're scrolls. I don't know. Yeah, it is weird that uh, Pluto would have a troll army uh, because it's, it just seems to me that it's the wrong mythology. All right, so I think I've said about all I can say about this issue, and so it is time to to log off for now. Once again, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, thanks very much. And, of course, uh, we are soliciting feedback for the uh, Thor Ragnarok review show, which we're going to be doing in a few weeks. Uh, you can email your responses to us here at radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. Uh, you can also email me privately if that's easier for you, and we'll be sure to make sure that you are heard on the show. 
and with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard with our pointy-eared vampire fanged selves. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.